All right, if you have a Bible, turn it to Numbers chapter 13. If you have a piece of paper, you may want to write some things down here in a minute. This week has not quite gone the way I had envisioned this week going, so um, I told everyone Sunday I wouldn't be able to record my, uh, any this week so far. Um, I've obviously posted a few things, um, so therefore I haven't been able to post any devotional thoughts or do anything along those lines. So I know we need to finish Luther's uh, catechism, um, on uh, the Lord's Prayer. We still have the hermeneutical thing that we need uh, to finish. Uh, we got plenty of things to work on, but I thought tonight we would just kind of do more of a devotional kind of study, and uh, hopefully everyone will find something uh, beneficial from it. I am taking uh, tonight's devotional study from the historical lectionary, so I'm going to give you all the references. Now again, um, just like when we went through the lectionary, I'm always baffled uh, by how a lectionary preaching uh, can somehow managed to cover all the passages in one sermon. I, to this day, I still don't know how that's humanly possible. But, um, so I'm not even going to attempt to do that. I am going to try, um, by the time we get to the end of our look at the Old Testament passage, to throw, to at least turn to the gospel reading to uh, try to draw a, a correlation. Uh, but we won't be able to do much with it. But here is the, I'll give you the references so that you can have them down if you want to work on them on your own. Um, the Old Testament passage tonight is Numbers chapter 13. A lot of references here. Remember, they break it all up, and this is how they break it up. Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 through 2. Then they skip to chapter 25. They go to chapter 14, verse 1. They go, they go from Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 through 2. Then they skip to verse 25. Right. Okay. Then they go all the way to chapter 14, verse 1. Then they skip from chapter 14, verse 1 to chapter 14, verse 26 through 29. Then they skip to chapter 14, verse 34 and 35. So the references would read like this, Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 through 2. Numbers chapter 13, verse 25, to chapter 14, verse 1. Chapter 14, verse 26 through 29. And chapter 14, verse 34 and 35. All right? They, they're covering a lot there. Uh huh. Now, is that 13:25 through 14:1, or they skip? All the way, all the way through, all the way through, all the way through, all the way through, to chapter 14, verse one. Okay, everybody got that? All right. Then the psalm for tonight is Psalm 106, and they skip all over the place again. All right. Psalm 106, verses 6 through 7. Psalm 106, verses 13 through 14. Psalm 106, verses 21 to 23. Psalm 106, verses 6 through 7. Psalm 106, 13 through 14. And Psalm 106, 21 to 23. Everybody got that? They do a lot of skipping. The gospel reading is Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. All right? Everybody got the references? Now, again, I would love to cover all of that and just do the reading of all of it and then put it all together in one nice little package, but... Um, you know, that's not the way I teach, and there's lots of reasons why. But let's do this. Let's go to uh, Numbers chapter 13. Let's start in verse 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 2, which is what uh, they, they, they have those separated from everything else. And as soon as I, because my original plan when I sat down this afternoon, when, I, when finally everyone left my house and I got the opportunity to work on something, I sat down and I was like, okay, um, before I kind of go back over what we're going to do tonight, I'll just kind of have my own little devotional time. 
and I made it two verses, and then, then that's when I'm like, okay, well, well we're going to just go, and, and you'll see why. And here's the reason why. We'll see if anyone catches it. Numbers chapter 13, starting verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I gave unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall you send a man, every one a ruler among them. Stop right there. Now, does anybody see a problem? Well, put it this way. You don't see the problem. You either know the problem or you don't know the problem. Okay. It doesn't have anything about uh, the giving of the land, if, if, you're, if that's where you're thinking. No. Nope. Yeah, so, so nobody here is aware of the, of the famous problem here. Okay, it's very famous, well known. All right, who is uh, saying uh, to send uh, people into the land? The Lord. Was it the Lord who said it? So, okay, well, there's a problem. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Even bad commentaries pick this up. Okay. Now, if you go back to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 1, um, go to verse 1. We need to see who's speaking. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 1. Tell me when you're there. Okay, Moses is speaking. Who's he speaking to? All of Israel, right? Everybody see that? Now jump down to verse, I got it written down here, verse 20. And I said unto you, ye are come unto the mountain of the Amorites, which the Lord our God doth give unto us. Behold, the Lord thy God hath set the land before thee. Go up and possess it, as the Lord, thy, the Lord God of thy fathers hath said unto thee, Fear not, neither be discouraged. And you came near unto me, every one of you, and said, We will send men before us, that they shall search us out the land, and bring us word again, by what way we must go up, and into what cities we shall come. That's Israel saying we're going to send people into the land. Numbers has God saying, send people into the land. It's a very famous problem. Now, don't yell out like you think you've got it resolved instantaneously because obviously it's not, it's not as easy as you may think it is because obviously commentaries don't even agree, right? I, had, I started looking at all the commentaries today and it was funny. One commentary had an entire discussion in Deuteronomy about, hey, this is what the people wanted this, right? And the people just did it. And they didn't need to because they showed their lack of faith in God. And then that same commentary and numbers was like, well, God did this to test them. And they never even bothered to say, wait a minute. They just, they just handled them in a completely different way. Other commentaries was like, wait a minute. We have a difference here. All right. So you need to be aware of these kinds of things because uh, when, when they show up in the text, they do. So as soon as I read uh, Numbers chapter 13 today, I was like, oh, Oh, this is that famous passage where there is a problem. So, so tonight, let's just start with this question. Who wanted to spy out the land? Who wanted to spy out the land? If you want to write that question down. Who, who wanted to spy out the land? Now, we got two passages that describe it in obviously very different details. Agreed? Right? One, uh, one is found in what book? Numbers, one is found in Deuteronomy. Both books are written by, so the same human author, okay? So, what is going on here? Well, there's a couple of options, right? What would be option number one to try to resolve this? Okay, all right. 
That's, okay, we'll get to that one last, okay? That's, that, that's good. If y'all didn't hear what Seth said, he basically said that the people wanted to go, right? That's how it started. And then Moses obviously talked to God, and then God obviously said, go ahead. All right, that's, that's one option, okay? You can make it first if you want. What would be another option? Okay, I mean, yeah, just I mean, like, I, know, I know we're not supposed to make that a, a, an option, but come on, if the texts contradict, the texts contradict, and don't pretend that they don't. I can't stand when Christians are like, nope, they never contradict. If sometimes it, it appears to be in a contradiction, it, we, we can do all the twisting we want to try to make it not contradict. If it, if it looks like it contradicts, just accept it, and we have to deal with it, right? What would be a third possi possible explanation? Okay, then we kind of go with what Seth said. You put the two together and you get, you have to, but now, yeah, but you get the complete picture that you put together, right? Okay, just make sure you understand that, that, it, that you're, you're taking two different texts and you're putting it together and you're saying, this is how it went down. The text is not telling you how it's went down. You're doing that. So just make sure you understand you're inserting yourself big time into the interpretive process. You're just like, this text says this, this text says that. I put them together. Here's my new narrative. The texts don't put it together. We put it together, and that sometimes uh, Christians ignore that. What what could be another possible option? You only have so many of these that you can. There's only so many possible options. Okay. These options are the same every time this happens in the Bible, okay, All right? So option, so let's go through them. Option number one is a contradiction, right? That's, the, that's a possible option every time it happens. This kind of stuff happens all the time in the Old Testament, right? Have you ever, ever read uh, Kings and Chronicles and you got kings that you thought were dead or not dead? You got, you got numbers that don't match? These kind of things happen all the time. So, I mean, y'all should know these, these things you should all know, right? I mean, anytime you read the Bible, you'll see this. So, either a contradiction, number two, okay, or you try, to, you try to argue that they're two separate events, okay? Now, this doesn't really work in this case, but sometimes you can argue, okay, they're just not the same events and you've got to somehow prove that. Okay, another possible option. All right, the complementary idea that, okay, I take this, I take this, and then it puts together a new narrative, okay? Now, the only, the weakness and the strength in that is it usually re, 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 removes the possible contradiction. The weakness in it is you're doing it. You know, it's all you. It's not the text. You're just taking over. But there's one that everyone is, is missing here. What is one truth about our Bible that Christians sometimes don't like to admit? Okay, well, that would, well, Christians, all, all Christians, all Christians admit that. Okay. Uh, oh, not translation issue. Okay, but you're, I know where you're going. Textual variants, textual variants, textual variants. Remember, we have all kinds of manuscripts, right? Okay, remember, you have the original manuscript, correct? Make sure everybody understands this. We get the original manuscript. Do we have the original manuscripts? No, all original manuscripts are gone. So after you got the original manuscript, what did they do? Made a copy. And then what happened? Made another copy. And then what happened? Another copy. And then those copies got sent somewhere else, and then they made copies, and then they made copies, and they made copies. Now, modern times, we come and we find one here, we find one here, we find one here, we find one there, and we find one there. And we, we like to brag about how many manuscripts we find, but what do we find in the manuscripts? All kinds of variants. Sometimes the issue is a variant, right? Like, wait, this manuscript seems to read this way. This manuscript seems to read this way. Typically, your study Bible or a good commentary will argue some manuscripts read this way. Some manuscripts read this way. And then there's a whole process there in how you get from the manuscripts, right, to ultimately... The, what they call the critical text, the text that after putting it all together, they're like, this is probably what 
it was said. Now, some of the rules they use to come up with that, sometimes you're kind of like, mm, that's a little thing. But we do need to be aware of that. Now, in this particular case, now I didn't go, for, I mean, again, this was more my own devotional time. I, I'm not aware that a textual variant here goes, oh, well, this one reads this way. I think, this, I think the only way to get around this one is either you just got to acknowledge that this, this story is not making sense here, or, what, or you have to acknowledge somehow they work together. They somehow work together. It's really your only option. There's no, there's no clear evidence there of, hey, there, there's, a, there, there's 10 manuscripts that seem to read this way. One, because clearly when you go to Deuteronomy, you know who's speaking, right? And Deuteronomy 1? Everybody can see who's speaking? Moses, right? Okay, clearly. And in Numbers, clearly we get an idea of what's going on because it's very clear, is it not? And the verse 1, Numbers chapter 13, And the Lord spake unto Moses. So clearly, two individuals do, doing this. Now, here's the thing. When God tells them to send the, the spies out, the text is not necessarily telling us what led to this or did not lead to this. So let's go with this assumption, okay? Let's go with this assumption, all right? Um, let's go with this idea that it seems that the people desired the spies. The people desired it, right? They wanted it. And obviously at some point, God gave them their desire. At some point, God said, okay, this is what you want this is what you get. And in Numbers, we read God telling them, again, we can read it again, just to make sure we see it. In Numbers, we can see it as clear as day. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I gave unto the children of Israel, of every tribe of their fathers. Shall you send a man, every one, a ruler among them? All right? And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. And I know three is not in the reading, but you get the idea. He does exactly what God tells him to do. All right? Does that, that set everything up? Okay. Yes? No? All right. Sure, everyone's, everyone's with me? Okay. All right. Okay. Don't want everyone sitting there trying to figure it out because you have to, we could spend all night working on it. But there, there you go. That's the best you can come up with. I'm telling you. You can sit there and read it for an hour, but that's the best you're going to come up with. All right, here you go. Let's do this. So at least now you're familiar with the question there. Who, who did so? We think the complimentary ways to answer it. The next thing we're going to look at. When it comes to this land... Uh, chapter 13, verse 2, gives us a very important uh, truth here, right? Send thou the men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. All right? Let's, the next thing I want you to write down is this. This land had been promised to Israel countless times. Countless times. All right? I didn't go through every single, I didn't go through every single one, but I'll just give you some references, all right? And, and this is very important. Remember when we get into the eschatology debate? Remember this is the thing that drove me crazy about the eschatology debate? There should have been no debate because how did they understand the promise of land? Right. So when did the land stop being literal land? Right? They understood it to be literal land. So either you say, well, they, they, they had the land, but then, well, well, then God's promises are not eternal, that God can make a promise. I mean, how do you get around it? But I mean, clearly it's land, right? And uh, we, we read all of these passages before, so we're not going to read them again tonight. Genesis 12, 7. Genesis, and when you're going Genesis 12, 7, you're dealing with the Abrahamic covenant, are you not? One of the initial covenants. Um, uh, Genesis 13, I think 15. Uh, Genesis 17.8, Genesis 28.13, and Genesis 35.12. Over and over and over, the land, the land, the land, the land, the land, the land, the land. He had promised the land to them. Now, you could argue, well, wait a minute, by the time they get here to Numbers, I mean, they've been in captivity for a long time, so, you know, maybe they're a little questioning the promise, but go to Exodus chapter 33. 
Exodus chapter 33, verse 1, And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart, and go up hence, that thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it, and I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the uh, Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. So there's really, uh, not only do they get reminded of the initial promise, they're also told an angel's going to go before them and drive them out. So, I mean, the, the promise is, 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 like, this is not like a new promise. It is extreme. It, it's very clear. In fact, even in, in Numbers 13, hey, the land that I give unto you. I mean, God's already telling them even there. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 20, And I said unto you, You are come unto the mountain of the Amorites, which the Lord our God doth give unto us. God gives us this land. Behold, the Lord thy God hath set the land before thee to go up and possess it, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath said unto thee, Fear not, neither be discouraged. They are reminded again that God had given them the land. The promise was clear. The promise had been repeated countless times all right so what do we so we're developing we're developing kind of a, a scenario here right we're, de, we're developing kind of a narrative narrative I guess I should say here here's what we have God had promised the land to them countless times it had been repeated it had been repeated and not just promise covenants were made dealing with it right covenants were made Right? So they had covenant promises that God was going to give the land. When they finally get to the land, the people are like, we need to send some spies and go check that out over there. We, we need some spies. And God says, okay, you want spies? Here you go. You get the spies. But I want to make sure you understand, the promise had been repeated countless times there was no interpretive issues about the promise. The promise is clear. The promise is specific. Because when we looked at those previous promises about the land, when we had the whole argument about land, what did we discover? Remember, it gave it very, from this mountain to this mountain. I mean, like, there was no way to interpret that. Well, no, that's uh, the church, or that's, that's spiritual. I mean, it was as clear as clear could be. All right. So, that is where we, we are. He had promised the land, they get to the land, and they're like, hmm, I think we need, I think we need uh, some spies to go check this out, all right? So, this is what I want you to, to write down, all right? Next. For the children of Israel, the promise wasn't enough. The promise wasn't enough. They, they, they want, I mean, they need something, clearly they need something else, right? I mean, if we go back to Numbers chapter 13, I don't know if it gives us any, I don't think it gives us a lot of their, of their way of thinking. We can see some of it. Well, no, well, no, actually we can't. So um, if you jump down to verse uh, verse 17. Because of Numbers 13, because you have that long list of all the, uh, the names of the individuals. Okay, and if you could jump down to verse uh, or, or, yeah, 17. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land, what it, what it is, and the people that dwell, dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. And what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that, are, that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds. And what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be ye of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time, uh, the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. So they want a, a host of information, right? Moses tell them to go look for all, and what are, what's all the information they're looking for? 
Are the people strong or weak? Few or many. Good, good, bad. Do they live in cities or tents? Right. You're getting the basic idea. They're going to get all this information. Now, if you remember, the promise already contained a lot of this information. Right? The promise already contained all of this. So for them, here's what it came down to. They knew what God had promised, but now it came down to a very clear choice. Do I believe what God said, or now do I need to see at least someone here to see what God has promised. The promise wasn't enough. I don't think there's any way to get around that. Now, we can, we can add a kind of a, an, an application here. Two very famous passages. Everyone knows this one. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, I know 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is misquoted and abused horrifically, and I don't want to be guilty of doing it here, but I don't also want to do an entire exposition of 2 Corinthians 5. Just please don't be one of the people who misuse the verse all the time. All right? Okay, everybody there? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we'll go verse 6, because verse 7 is kind of like a parenthesis in the middle of two verses, all right? Verse 6 Therefore, we are always confident. Now, Paul writing to believers, right? We're always confident. And what are we confident? Knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Now, skip the parentheses, 18. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. All right, now stop right there. What is referencing? He's talking about life and dying, correct? Life and dying, right? When you are alive, you are present in the body, but you're, what? Absent from the Lord. Can you see him? No. Can you see heaven? No. What only thing you have about, the only thing you have to believe that, it, that when you die, you're going to be absent from this body and present with the Lord. The only thing you have That's all you have. That's all you have. And you can be like, oh, I know it. I know it. I know it. I'm confident. I'm confident. I'm confident. We, we, we are relying on this. Now, what does he do? He, Paul acknowledges this struggle, right? Paul acknowledges. Because what's the parentheses between those two verses? Right. We're walking by faith, not by sight. He acknowledges there's no way of seeing it. There's no evidence. There's no proof. It is literally by faith. Well, Israel, they, you could say, well, they were given all kinds of signs. They were given all kinds of signs, but what, what had they not received? They didn't get a YouTube video from God saying, here's the land, right? They didn't get the colored brochure. They didn't get anything. What did they get? Promises. God gave to Moses, and Moses said, Hey guys, I'm going to take you to this land, and it's wonderful. It's awesome. And all the people there, I'll be, not, I'll be taken care of. And they're kind of like, well, hmm. Okay, that's great that you've given us all these promises, but we would really like to know what's over there. And, and on one hand, we, we condemn them, right? I mean, we're quick to judge them. I mean, sermons are always quick to, to go, man, how pathetic. We're a lot like that. Here's what God says, and we're like, well, you know. Yeah, could you, could you, uh, could I get like a preview on this whole heaven thing, you know? Could I, could I get something? And that's not the way it works. Either his promises are enough or they're not. For Israel, his promise, their pro, his promise was not enough. That's a major lesson here. Look at Proverbs chapter 3. Another famous passage. 5-7. Second Corinthians, yeah. Second Corinthians 5-7. Yeah. Yeah, Proverbs 3. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine 
own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. If you, look, if you write that verse down next to Numbers chapter 13, they literally don't. Now, obviously, num, uh, Proverbs wasn't written at that time, obviously. But I'm saying, do I? At what? At the time of Numbers. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, definitely wasn't written by the time of Numbers, okay, all right, so when the children of Israel definitely did not follow this passage, now they didn't have the passage, but the concept was there, the concept had been established in Genesis, when God says something, obey and follow, did Abraham know where he was going, they had more information than Abraham had, they had far more than Abraham had, all right? They had far more than many of the patriarchs in, the, in, in Genesis. A lot of them didn't, didn't really have a clue what was going on or where they were going. They were given promises that they never even really saw the fulfillment of the promise the way. You're going to get land. They, they, they wandered around, right? But the only land, um, the only land Abraham had is the land he bought to bury his wife. Right? I mean, you know, they, like a lot of things they didn't get to see. Israel, they, they had at least seen all the mighty works to come out of bondage, and they, were, and they were literally standing at the border of the land that would have been promised to everyone. They actually were there. In some ways, they could actually see it in a, in a, in a, in a kind of a general sense. It was at least close, and they were like, nope, nope, nope. And so if you go through it, what did they not do? Go to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. They were not trusting in the Lord with all thine heart. What were they trusting in? Well, they, well, they wanted to see it. Right? Lean not on their own understanding. Now, their understanding from a human perspective looks pretty smart. What mil military just sends troops in to fight an army to take land without reconnaissance going in first? Reconnaissance squadron is going to be doing everything to gain. Okay, here's, here's, what we, here's their troop build up here. We have troop build up here. Here's a weaker. They're going to know it. They don't just go, well, we'll just go in and fight, and we'll see how it all works out. That's what God said. Just go in. And, and the, one of the reasons he says go in is because he's making an argument he's going to be fighting it for them. But they're like, I don't see no angel. <laughs> okay. And, and even if there's one, okay, there's a lot of people over there. Like, they're not doing that. Next, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. They're not, they're not acknowledging God, in a sense. Correct? Be not wise in their own eyes. Are, are they being wise in their own eyes? Absolutely they're being wise in their And I understand it. From a human perspective, let's, we, let's not sit like we're so sanctimonious and like, oh, I would have just had, but you would have been sitting there going, oh, you know, I kind of agree, you know, you know, I got a family to take care of. I mean, you know, I'm, you know, I got, I got kids. I don't want to go over there and get killed. And you're like, no, I would just trust God. Well, you know, we got a lot of things in here we're supposed to do, right? And a lot of times we're kind of like, oh, that doesn't make sense to me. Right? I, I know that's what it says in the next famous word, but I can't make any sense. That can't make any sense. Is that, is that a good thing? Is that a, yeah, how, how do you work that? How, what promises? Or, you know, we, we do. So it's just, they, they, put it this way. The promise of God was not enough. All right? Next. All right? Just the next a thought, not necessarily just kind of derived from the narrative, because we see what's happening. We got the narrative set up, do we not? I mean, God's promised it, right? They're like, we need... Spies, they send out the spies, and it, it immediately shows us that the promise is not sufficient. I think we can all agree that. Another just kind of lesson that jumped out at me today when I was looking at this, and, and, and maybe you'll see this, maybe you, you will not, but I, I, think it's, I think it's there, and I don't think there's a way to argue against it. Their desire proves their focus. What was their desire? What was their desire? To get a report. Right? Their desire. Their desire was to get a report. And what, what, and what did that prove? What was their focus on? The desire proves the focus. Your desire proves your focus. What was their focus? Land, security, 
safety, possession, percentage of chance of victory, it was all where? On the physical. Remember our study in Luther on, on prayer? He talked about uh, the distinction in prayer between spiritual blessing and physical. And we, tend to, we place so much of our focus on the physical, but the Bible comes and says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Their focus, their, their desire wasn't, we've got to go in. Remember, they've already been given information about when you go into the land, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. If you do this, bad things are going to happen. You remember all the things that were told about, you know, going into the land? Yes? When, uh, when they get into the land, they, they don't seem, they're not, what are they not worried about? What's, what's not their focus? They're not concerned with their spiritual condition at all. Right? They're not like, hey Moses, are we ready spiritually to go over there? Are we, are we spiritually ready to go over there? No, they just know. We need information on the physical circumstances we're going to be. They're not concerned about the spiritual. Your, listen, your desire proves your focus. You, you can pretend all day, I desire God more than anything. I love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, body. Come on. You, you know what you desire and you know what your focus is. We all know, we all know, we all know, we all know. And we can, we can pretend all day. Our, our desires usually demonstrate that our focus is not where it should be. According to the scripture, we're, we're supposed to seek ye first the kingdom of God. We're supposed to love God Heart, mind, body, soul, and strength, right? Um, that was the focus all last week on the app, right? We, uh, we, 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 we are supposed to set our affections on things above. I mean, we got a million things to say that, and we all know sometimes. They're a lot like us. What, what are they concerned with? We don't need a sermon. Now, it is interesting when you get them, when you get, when they get ready to go back into the land, when after all, everyone dies, Moses basically, you know, re-preaches sermons to them to get, try to get them spiritually ready to go in. And then, well, then Moses doesn't even get to go in, okay? And we know that that kind of, they, 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 and if you think about it, they were never really ready spiritually to go in. I mean, how, how well did it work out for them spiritually when they made it there? Yeah, I mean... I mean, I mean when, once they get set up, what, what ultimately starts happening? A, they, they start disobeying relatively quick because they don't kill off all the people they were told. To, right? They don't get down to that. Two, what else do they start doing relatively quick? They start marrying the people they're not supposed to marry. Three, idolatry. It's not very long. They want to be like what? They want a king like everyone else. Like it's, it's just, they were never spiritually ready. They were never spiritually ready. And it's just, I think that's it. Like, they just want, hey. And sometimes that's, when it comes to our prayers, what do we want? We want things. We rarely ask you for spiritually ready for things. We want things. We rarely worry if we're spiritually ready for things. That's kind of an important point. I mean, if you want to write that down, I'm kind of, you know, just, you know, kind of, okay. Everybody's just looking at me like, okay, you got a better point than that? Because that's not that good. But that's the best I have, okay? So write it down, okay? Okay, because this is an important lesson here. And we're just like them, right? I mean, come on. If the news came through, we're in the camp, and the news came in, hey, we made it to the land, I doubt you would have been like, um, oh. One second, everyone. I think we need to ask if we're spiritually ready to go in, right? I don't think we were like, oh, we, we, we're ready to get it. But we, we're concerned on how we get it and we're concerned on what. I think, I, do you, does that make sense? Yes? Now, I know, I know you can think about that God had been trying to do things to get them ready, right? Yes. Well, not just that. Forget the plagues. What does he do after the plagues? Oh, no, no, no. You're missing a very important thing that happens. Like in Exodus chapter 20? Yeah, the law. 
Right. The law. The law was supposed to be the, the guiding principle to get that they would be living this, which would be different than everybody else. He, God had been trying to get them ready spiritually. But what was, their, what was their mindset when it came to the law? Even though they broke it before they even got it. Oh, we got it. We got it all. We got it all. They weren't like, hey, this would be a good time to stop and, you know, let's, uh, let's think about these laws because we have to establish. They weren't worried about, hey, how are we going to establish these laws when we get over there? They were like, are those people going to hurt us? <laughs> are, is there too many of them? They're only worried about the physical. They were not worried about the spiritual. We, we, all, we are all consumed with the physical, and I think that's an important point that we see right here. Okay, we're going to run out of time, but that's okay. All right. Um, now, I'm just going to try to go through this quickly. Um, we'll, we'll look up a bunch of scriptures here, but I thought this was interesting. Uh, look at Numbers 13, I believe 25. What information do you learn in Numbers 13, 25? All right, the spies go into the land and they're there for how long? 40 days. Now I want you to write this down. 40 days. What do they discover in 40 days? All right, I'll give you a scripture and you tell me what they discovered, all right? Your job is to look it up. Look at Numbers, I believe, 1327. Numbers 1327. Oh, they discovered that it's a land that flows with milk and honey. Did it say anything else? And this is the fruit of it, okay? And they brought back fruit. All right. Is the land flowing? Does that sound familiar to anybody? Exodus 3.8. I believe it's Exodus 3.8. You can check and tell, and tell me if I'm right. I believe it's Exodus 3.8. So they spend 40 days looking to come back and say, well, it's kind of like God promised. Right? Let's continue. Look at Numbers 13, I believe 29. Okay. All right. All right. they, they discover all, all the different peoples in the land. And I believe in it. Is that verse 29? Yeah. They discover all the names of the people? It's pretty close to the same in Exodus 3.8. In fact, you can go all the way back to Genesis 15 when they were promised they are going to go into the land. Some of the same people are mentioned all the way back in Genesis. Here are going to be the people you're going to find. The Hittites, the presence, uh, the uh, Amorites, yeah, all the ites. Okay. So they were told, so they, so 40 days, what do they find? Ooh, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Wait, here are these, kind, these people, these people, these people, these people. And you want to go, it took you 40 days to figure out what we already knew? Yeah? Oh, now this one is interesting. This one we could do a lot of work on. Look at Numbers, I believe, 1322. Numbers 13.22. What do you find in Numbers 13.22? Something very important. Now, Hebron was built seven years before Zoan, Zoan in Egypt. Okay? And then it goes on. They discover Hebron there. Now, what is significant about Hebron? Do what? What? Okay, well, Dev is not around at this time, so. Yeah. What, what would have been significant to them? Because they spies go, and they're going to they're gonna discover Hebron. What's, what's interesting about Hebron? Do, no. What? What? Okay, giants, okay. Something else about Hebron. Okay, Abraham built an altar. What else in Hebron? How about Genesis, I believe, 23? 
where he buried his wife. Okay, he buried his wife there. I believe other people get buried there as well. Jacob, I believe, gets buried there. All right, now why is this important? It seems insignificant, but why is it important? The spies go and they see the, they, who knows how it was marked, but they may have seen where the patriarchs had been buried, which would have been another reminder of God's promise. They were buried there because that's the land God was ultimately going to give them. They should have been able to come back and say, hey, we, we see the, the faith of Abraham and of Jacob. We see the faith of those who came before us. Buying the land and burying them there was... Remember when Jeremiah bought the land? He bought land? Why is he buying land? Because it was going to be... It's going to be theirs, right? Remember? So him, Jeremiah buying land was proof that he believed God's promise. They were buying land before the land was theirs. They going and just, them even mentioning Hebron, in a sense, was kind of an evidence that, hey guys, this was, this was those 40 days of searching, this is what they discovered in 40 days. They discovered what God had already promised, and they discovered a reminder of others who demonstrated faith. That's what they should have came back with. Right? Now, we know how it all plays out. It doesn't play out. So I just think it's interesting what they discover is kind of like, well, <laughs> what are you doing, guys? All right. Okay, next. Next thing I want you to write down. And a roundabout way, this whole narrative is a, is a test of an answered prayer. It's the test of an answered prayer. What do I mean by that? Well, if our understanding is correct, who desired this first? The people, right? Yes? Okay. Who gave it to them? God. So God gave them what they desired. God, God gave them what they requested. He answered their prayer. But the answered prayer was a test. Because the answered prayer was going to be the very thing that tested whether they truly believed God or whether they did not. Now, this is, this is again, this is interesting because sometimes we perceive the test in the, the prayer that is not answered the way we want, right? We're kind of like, oh man, if God doesn't answer your prayer, it requires a lot of faith. God doesn't answer your prayer, that's a test. No, the test here came from an answered prayer. They got exactly what they asked for, and getting exactly what they asked for, they ended up being tested. And what did it demonstrate? Not their faithfulness, but their faithlessness, right? It proved their lack of faith, their lack of trusting in God. And we all know how it goes down, do we not? Go to Numbers chapter 14. So they get, you know, all these, they, they come back, they get this report, they, they find out there's a lot of uh, difficult things in the land, do they not? They find out there's giants in the land, there's walled cities, they find out all this stuff, right? They're a little bit concerned, right? Right? In fact, verse 33 of chapter 13, and there we saw the, the giants, the son of Anak, which came, out, came, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. We saw, we see their power, their strength, their might. We are doomed. And how did the people respond in chapter 14, verse 1? And all the congregation lift up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. They're crying all night. They're all crying all night. <laughs> what happened? What happened? And we know what congregations do when they start crying all night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. Right? 
They don't blame God. They don't blame God. And why don't they blame God? Because Christians are never do that. We find someone else to blame, right? Let's not blame God. Let's blame someone else, all right? All right? And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? What do they see? All they see is the physical. They are blinded. They are completely blind to the spiritual. All right? Let me, let's write this down. Physical realities blind us from spiritual truth. Physical realities often blind us from spiritual truth. I think that's a, a very good, valid point. Remember John the Baptist? When he's not in prison, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Hey, hey, you can't have that wife. Wait, you can't do that. Wait, you, you serpents. Wait, it, you know, he's just going to town on everybody. He gets in prison and he's like, um, could you go find out if Jesus is really the right one or should we, should we look for another? You're like, uh, hey, John, what happened? Physical reality blinded him from spiritual truth. Physical realities blind us from spiritual truth. It's just, it happens to everyone. Right? Physical realities do so. I mean, because, because what can we see? Physical reality. What can we touch? Physical reality. What can we feel? Physical reality. Okay. What do we not see? What do we not feel? So we go, boom, there's, the, there's that physical, it's like a train right in front of us. Glaring lights, horn blaring, and we're like, oh, it's over. And that's all. They're like, it's it. We're done. You brought us out here to die. Now, of course, they just completely ignore the fact God is the one who brought them out. But they're like, but they, but they don't want to say that because, you know, they're too religious to say what they really, and I can't stand when religious people won't just say what they say. Just say when you feel that it's God and not pretend. But they're, they're going to blame someone here, right? And uh, how bad does it get? And where and where what and wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land? Now they do bring God into it. Ultimately, they start with Moses and Aaron. And wherefore hath the Lord brought us in unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return unto Egypt? Now they're they're mad at everybody. But and just and again, you hear this all the time. Christians do this all the time. You bring up a situation and they'd be like, well, well, I mean, I could do that, but, but not, I mean, I can't do that if it's going to hurt my family. They're, they're using human logic again, right? Well, well, my family, I mean, I got to, I got to protect my, they either got to trust what God says or don't trust what God says. We always, we always will take a verse and we're like, well, 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 if I did that, that could lead to this. Therefore, I'm, it's like the get out of free jail card. We come to a Bible verse and you're like, well, that may be true, but not for my family. And I'm like, well, that's, that's what they're using, right? Our family, our family, our family. What's, more, what's supposed to be more important? What's supposed to be more important? It's supposed to be more. God is supposed to be more important than family. You say that and everybody looks at you like literally you've just destroyed the Bible, but Jesus made it very clear. Hey, if you don't hate your mother, father, and obviously we know what he is saying, but the point is his words are extremely strong and we minimize that. Well, he doesn't, I mean, come on. No, he's saying, I come first or forget it. Well, here they got to put it to the test. Because from a human perspective, what does it look like to cross that, that border? Absolute imminent death. Now, you can sit there and go, no, I would, I would trust. Give me a break. I, I would have been like, I, was, I wouldn't even be the, I wouldn't even stick around to Ari. I would just like, you know, just... We've got to find somewhere to go, okay? We can't go back, can't go forward. There's got to be a better place, okay? We'll stay here until the airplane is invented, and then we'll, and then we'll fly out of here, okay? But that, yeah, that, 
We, we, we act like that we would have been like, I would have just walked right on in there and said, bring it on. Yeah, give me a break. Okay. It, it's easy to talk that way from the safety of a pew thousands of years later. True? Okay. Because in our own life, we, we cave, we, we, you know, we fall like a, you know, house of cards, you know, we just, and we come crumbling down. Just got, we're a lot like Peter. Everyone else may deny you, but not me, buddy. I got it. And then, and then as soon as the little girl comes up, hey, aren't you with you? I don't know this Jesus. I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know. What, Jesus, nothing? You know, I, you know, way to go, Peter. We're, we're the same way. Right? And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Japuna, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes, and they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we possess, um, we, that we passed through to search it, is an exceeding good land. So some others step up, like, hey, wait, this land is... They focus on the goodness of the land. They focus on that. The Lord, uh, uh, if the Lord delight in us, then, we will, then he will bring us into this land which... Uh, and give it us a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But look at verse 10. But all the congregation bade stones them with stones, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all, all the children of Israel. They were all going to die. They were about to be murdered. They were about to murder Moses, Aaron, Caleb, Joshua. They were going to murder them. That, that's insane. That's insane. But you have, Christians have, these are the kinds, it always blows my mind. That sometimes we always think if we have God, then we're better than everyone else. Give me a break. This kind of thing has happened throughout church history where people come to the war, to fighting. I mean, war, I mean, we can go through church history and literally keep killing each other over things of God. Because when, when people are convinced that, nope, and I guarantee you, if you would have talked to those children of Israel, there would have been someone in the camp making some kind of spiritual excuse. God wouldn't bring us to go into a land where there's all that kind of problem. That's not, clearly that's the wrong way. That's not, that, God wouldn't do that because I, it happens all the time. You preach a verse and people will say, well, clearly God wouldn't want this. Clear, you always hear people say that. It doesn't matter what the, you know, turn the other cheek, resist not evil. Well, surely God wouldn't want this. And everyone tells you what God should want. And I'm like, well, maybe God told us what he wants. And it's like, you can't, you can't do that. And so they, they're ready to start. I mean, just chaos ensues. Chaos ensues. All right. Very important. All right. Now, here's uh, let's let's put this point down. When we stop trusting. Focusing. And desiring God above all. When we stop trusting, focusing, and desiring God above all, we will replace God with ourselves. When we stop trusting, Focusing and desiring God, God above all, we will replace God with ourselves. Who, who are they? Who are they? Who are they play, putting in charge? Themselves. We're going to do it our way. We're going to do it our way. Moses, you're you're done. You're done. We need a new leader. We'll appoint a we'll appoint a leader. Who who appointed Moses? God. And this becomes a major problem leading on, does it not? Yeah, becomes a major problem because later on they want to appoint. They want they they think once they because they for, God no longer becomes the priority. God no longer becomes the focus. They become the focus, and then chaos ensues. They want to be like everyone else. 
right? And then we know what happens as a result of this. They don't get to go in the land and they wander around 40 years and people die. Day in, day out, hour after hour, they die because they rebelled. They would not listen. And they were not spiritual ready. They were not spiritual ready. They got their prayer. They wanted, they wanted spies. They got their prayer answered. Sometimes we're not prepared for answered prayers. All right. Now, I would like to go to Psalm 106, but we cannot. Let's just jump to the gospel reading and at least read it. Why did the lectionary put these passages together? Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. I'm going to try not to preach it. I'm going to try just to read it. Then Jesus, Matthew chapter 15, everybody there? Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. That seems like a jerk kind of thing to do, right? Yes? Okay, I guess nobody else thinks that. That seems pretty mean to me, okay? She's upset. Her son's vexed with her. He doesn't even answer her word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. You know, that's good Christian mentality, right? This woman, she's just bothering us. Could you tell her to go away? Yeah, this is, woo, this is church 101 right here, is it not? But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Right? Hey, uh, basically, what is he saying? I'm here for the Jews. So, get to walking. You know, but my daughter's got a, you know, vexed by a demon. You know, I'm, I've got a problem here. Then, she, then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Wow. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. Wow. That's really not nice. That's really mean. Okay, I'm not going to give this to a dog. You and your daughter's a dog. I'm not, you got luck. And she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. All right, I'm a dog. Just give me the crumbs. Just give me the crumbs. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Now, you can see why the lectionary placed this as the gospel reading. Very different, is it not? Israel had been given everything. I mean, even, even to stop the attempted murder with their stones, God's glory appeared, right? God's glory has been guiding them. God's glory has been leading them. They have been given everything. They've been given God's law. They have, been, they have seen God's visible power. They have been delivered miraculously by that power. They have been given spiritual leaders to teach them. They have been literally given the very words of God on stone tablets, right? Okay, they have been given the very law of God. They have been given everything and they respond to all that they have by downplaying God and exalting self. Here's a Gentile woman who has none of that. All she has heard is reports of, she's probably never even, maybe even seen it because she's in a far different place. As she hears reports, she's like, I'll go. And then everyone wants her to go away. Jesus treats her in a very disrespectful way. There's no other way to get around it, right? And she's like, yeah, I'm a dog. Just give me crumbs. That's faith. That's trust. 
That's like I desire. Her desire was something spiritual. The spiritual deliverance of her daughter. She, that was all she cared about. She didn't care about her reputation. She didn't care about what people would say. She, all she cared about was he's the answer to the problem. And all Israel cared about was, well, you know, that looks like a, <laughs> that looks like a bad thing for us. They were worried about themselves. And we are confronted with that every day. If we're going to be people who live by faith, then the spiritual must trump the physical. We must, play, we must desire it more, focus on it more, trust in it more. And then that will de determine our direction. And what determined their direction? <laughs> They focused on the spiritual, they trust, or they focused on the physical, they trusted in the physical, they desired the physical, and guess what they got? 40 years of physical death. They got what they desired. They got what they desired. It's something for us to consider because we, we're just like them. We're no better than them. I will make sure we are no better than Israel in any way, shape, or form. Look at all the things we've been given. We have his word in a completed form. We can read it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can, you can listen to sermons 24 hours. You got, you've got more spiritual food at your disposal than anyone in the history of the church had in their entire lifetime. You can know more than Luther, Calvin, Augustine, all of them combined. You can know more without even going to a seminary. You have access to all of it. Your ignorance is only because you don't desire to, to fix it. Your, your spiritual desire, deter, I mean, your, your, you determine your direction. I mean, like, Israel had a lot, but what, we have a woman who didn't even have what they had who demonstrated greater faith. Now, sometimes it's, what, it's, it's the abundance of all the blessings. The blessings actually become, we take it for what? Take it for granted. They took God for granted, did they not? They took Moses for granted. They took Aaron for granted. They took it all for granted. In fact, they were pretty quick to get ready to throw it all away, weren't they? They were, they were quick to throw it away. And Christians sometimes are quick to throw. They'll throw away the church for a better, for this, for that. They'll, 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 they, they'll focus on the physical. I want this. Well, what about church? I don't care about church. I want this. We saw it in the military all the time. Oh, I, I, you know, I got to get orders because if I get orders, then they'll help my career. Yeah, and then, and then the next thing you hear, we can't find a church. Well, it's interesting. You had a church where you were at. That's kind of interesting. Why did you leave it? Well, you know, I got to worry about my career. Yeah, you can put your career before God, and you'll get your career. And then spiritually, in times. Uh, devastating to their spiritual life. And we saw it over and over and over again. All right, I think a lot of lessons to be learned by that. All right, let's pray. Lord God, we come before you this evening, just a very shallow, surface-level devotional, Lord, but I pray, I pray there's some spiritual meat there that we can all think about and hopefully be challenged by. Um, plenty of lessons, and I just pray that we would really think about these and discuss these as we um, end our night. We ask this in Jesus' name. God's people said.